Hello, my name's David Burns of the Assessment Register and welcome to our podcasts. This time we're actually going to be talking about EN 1090 certification and everything there is to know about that particular standard. Firstly, the standard is for the construction sector. It supports the construction products regulation, which the construction products regulation is actually the law, worth remembering that, not EN 1090. All that the construction products regulation asks for is factory production control. So therefore, the EN 1090 standard simply supports factory production control. Okay. Now, pretty much all CE marking and directives require factory production control, whether you're making pressure vessels, toys for CE marking, they all need to be put through factory production control. Now, before you get yourselves bogged down in all the stress of this particular standard, the main thing to focus on is section 6.3 of EN 1090-1. That's really all you need to focus on for your FPC or factory production control. And what we've done running parallel to this very short podcast is we've actually got a book that you can actually read and make reference to. It's called Construction Products C Marking Post-Brexit. EN 1090 and basically in a nutshell it's everything to do with the standard condensed into this one booklet one point of reference it's free to download as a Kindle from Amazon um, I think if you pretty much search EN 1090 Brexit CE marking it pops up there for you to have a look at anyway back to the standard so the standard is actually as I said broken into a series of sections but the one to focus on is section 6.3 in addition to section 6.3, we're also suggesting you look at the annexes because the annexes provide the information you need for the content of your Declaration of Performance Certificate. Okay, now that's a heck of a lot to take in. Let's just recap and summarise. Number one, EN 1090-1 is the main reference. That refers to EN 1090-2. And also you've got another couple of standards kicking around, which are EN 3834, if you really want to look at those as well. But I wouldn't get too bogged down in that if I were you. On top of that, you've got the construction products regulation. But again, you don't want to be wading through that document because it's pretty heavy going. All you need to know is that the regulation asks you to have factory production control. Let's break this EN 1090-1 section 6.3 down into manageable chunks. And it's not that complicated. The first thing to remember is that your employees, your personnel, those involved with welding and fabrication need to be technically competent, which, in fact, if you're running a company, you are going to make sure your staff are technically competent. So it shouldn't be a surprise. However, the certification body or the notified body that comes to visit you will want some sort of documented evidence that they are technically competent. So grandfather rights, documented evidence they've been around for a while doing welding and fabrication, absolutely fine. Certificates, city and guilds, the fact they've been coded in a previous life or at present. Again, this all adds to demonstration of technical competence. On top of the personnel side of things, you've got equipment. Well, every company owner will make sure their equipment is fit for purpose, of course. So, welding plants, calibrated. Now, have in mind as well, before you rush off and calibrate your welding plants, they should be calibrated anyway before you buy them, if they're new. Um, the manufacturer has to, in fact, calibrate them. 6.32, personnel, making sure everyone is technically competent, coded welders, they should be coded and also have some sort of historical background 
in welding and fabrication. Section 633, equipment. Well, is the equipment fit for purpose? We're looking for every piece of process equipment, but of course welding plants as well, to make sure welding plants are calibrated. And then we've got section 634, structural design process. Well, if you're not involved in design, I wouldn't get too worked up over design um, because that's really something that your customer should be providing you with anyway. But again, that's obvious, really. If you're going to do a job, you need to know what it is you've actually got to do. Now, some of you, I'm sure, will get structural engineers involved if you're offering that service. But on the whole, you need to have someone who's competent to provide you with the design whether it's the customer or a structural engineer. So that's worth having in mind. Then, of course, the next section, uh, 635, this is all about how to produce the product. Okay, you've got your drawings, you've got your plant, you've got your personnel. So now you're going to make the job. You're going to produce the job. Producing the job based on the technical specification you've been provided with. And, of course, from this, you're going to be referring to EN 1090-2 and 3 if you need to. Okay, only if you need to because... Pretty much everything should be wrapped up in the design specification anyway. You shouldn't have to second guess what it is you've got to produce. So just to quickly recap, you've got competent people, you've got good equipment, you've got your factory, of course, and then you're going to control the process. So we're looking at job cards, route cards, planning sheets, but also you can have simple sign-off documents that you may well relate back to the drawing. Okay, So certain stages of a construction, you, you would just sign off as you build the product within your factory environment. Competent, competent specification. So 636, you're actually making sure within this section that the staff who you've given the actual job to have all the information necessary to produce the job, i.e. the drawings, but also where you may have particular written instructions. Well, the written instructions could be in the form of build methodologies at the one end. At the other extreme, it could be your weld procedures, so the actual specific weld procedures for a particular component for a particular part of the construction. In addition to this, it's actually making sure that um, staff are aware of what type of inspection is needed, whether it's non-destructive testing, whether it's visual inspection, or whether you have to bring in an outside third party and or, of course, the customer may want to get involved as well with the inspection. Section 637, product evaluation. Well, here you're basically inspecting the job. Is it fit for purpose? Okay, so you've got your equipment, you've got your personnel, you've got your instructions, you've got your drawings, you've got your factory, you're building the job, now you're going to be inspecting it. Does it actually meet the original characteristics of the design that you actually wanted in the first place? Section 638, non-conforming products. Well, okay, in-process non-conformances and rework in most factory environments, um, it's just going to be reworked. You rarely are going to record this information, but the standard actually asks you to, particularly if you've got to do a significant amount of rework. But again, that's really up to you. So that was a quick run through section 6.3 of the EN 1090-1, and that's your FPC, your factory production control. And to be honest with you, that's all you need, okay? That is all you need. Nothing magical about this. This is not complicated. Now, on top of your FPC, you will be expected to refer to other annexes within the standard. But again, you refer to those annexes as you wish. As you wish, of course, based on the technical specification for the job that your customer actually wants from you. One of the primary points of reference is a table called Table 24, and that has all the NDT and inspection requirements detailed. 
Okay, time for a bit of a recap. We've got our factory production control with the previous points detailed within your FPC. You've got your Annex ZA1, which is the primary point of reference for the technical specification. And that's the kind of information that the design engineer and or your customer will specify within the drawings or technical specifications or other documentation to support the job. Then, of course, you've got that magical table, table 24, which talks about the areas of NDT required based on the execution classes. Now, we haven't actually spoken about execution classes. Well, in the standard, there's four. It's a bit of a strange oddity, but execution class one is the lowest, execution class four is the highest. Execution class four, in fact, is normally set aside for special projects, things like underground train stations, massive constructions, massive buildings like the Shard building, big special projects. Execution class three tend to be shopping malls, bigger construction, lots of people. Execution class two tends to be the norm. Now, one thing that the certification bodies and notified bodies ask for is that your customer and or the design engineer specifies what the execution class is before you take on the contract. Now, that's not always easy. In this day and age, for some weird reason, is rather like the tail wagging the dog because historically, when the standard was first launched, the certification bodies and notified bodies almost forced the SME fabricating welding company to determine the execution class with the customer. Well, we, we've always thought that's a bit of a weird one because it is literally the tail wagging the dog. I mean, the customer should be telling you what the execution class is. Your design engineer or architect should be telling you what the execution class is. It's not for you to tell him where his product's going to be or what the technical specification should be. That's something he should be telling you. So in recent years, it's been clarified that you shouldn't really start a job in construction on a fabrication or welded construction if you haven't already had the execution class given to you. Just to consider this a little bit here, um, the construction products regulation, the law, is actually quite clear with regard to CE marking. The one legally liable for putting the product onto the market is normally the manufacturer. And the manufacturer in law under CE marking and the construction products regulation is in fact your customer. It's the end user of the product. It's the one who's branded that product is legally liable for that product. So it's always worthwhile remembering if you're an SME fabrication company and you're contributing to the welding and fabrication of a component or a building, then it's your customer that's legally liable for making sure you are competent and the supply chain is indeed competent. Having in mind as well that you can pretty much see mark anything. Some things will fall under the construction products regulation, some things won't of course when it comes to a building. But again, that's down to the design engineer and your customer to tell you what it is they're expecting specification wise, technically wise from yourselves. Now, Again, this is where it starts to get a little bit heady. You may want to take additional guidance on this by referring to the book that I was talking to you about earlier. You can also have what they call an NPD, No Performance Determined. You can put NPD on your certificate that you issue your customer where they've not specified any particular technical specification or any particular tolerance or any particular weld size on a drawing. You can actually put NPD, no performance determined. Now that doesn't detract from the fact that you've made the job as instructed as per drawing. 
because your declaration of performance certificate that you're issuing with your job, i.e. your CE mark, is basically saying, I've made this job to your specification and this is the piece of paper, the declaration saying that's exactly what I've done. Okay, so that's absolutely clear. That's what the declaration of performance is about. It is, in fact, a declaration of you producing the fabrication and welding against the technical specification that you've been provided with and signed off by a structural engineer and or the customer. So, considering the declaration of performance certificate, that needs to be signed off by someone that's technically competent within your FPC, and they're normally termed as the responsible welding coordinator. The responsible welding coordinator can be one of your key members of staff, a supervisor, a factory foreman, or one of the competent leading hands, um, one of the senior welders, that's competent in terms of the execution class for the work they're actually undertaking. So, therefore... The execution class is a level of technical specification for a particular product. So therefore, it goes without saying that the actual technical expert that's going to be inspecting and checking the job needs to be responsible and competent to look at that particular execution class level. And again, the certification body or the notified body will be looking at that when they come and audit you. Now, on the subject of certification bodies and notified bodies, and for reasons only known by UCAS, the certification body or notified body is actually accredited or can be accredited under two different accreditation standards. One is 17065 and the other one is 17021. 17065 is product certification and it's the normal product certification standard for CE marking of pretty much any CE marking organisation that's producing a product that needs to be CE marked. The 17021 is for management systems certification bodies. So they're slightly two different accreditation standards. And again, as FPC owners, you don't want to be too bogged down with this type of detail. However, it's worth noting UCAS accredited certification bodies don't tend to be quite as strict as UCAS accredited notified bodies for CE marking. So again, when you're choosing and selecting your certification body, it's worthwhile having that in mind. Okay, that's coming to the end of our podcast. As I said earlier, you can refer to our book. It's a free Kindle available from Amazon. But just to recap, as we said earlier, everything that goes into a building will need to be CE marked. Okay, so all the construction products that goes into any construction, any building, any fabrication, any bridge construction, any football stadium, any underground station, we're talking CE marking of structural steel and aluminium. The law is the construction products regulation that refers to all fabrication companies having an FPC formally audited by an accredited, normally UCAS for the UK, accredited certification or notified body. They take a snippet for the FPC from EN 1090-1 and that is section 6.3. Section 6.3 will also cross-refer to Annex ZA1 as Annex ZA1 is the content requirements for the technical specification, the drawing, which your design engineer and or customer will provide. That will also stipulate an execution class for the type of NDT and materials required for the structure. Okay. Now, finally, finally, your declaration of performance. 
you are issuing a declaration of performance to confirm that you've made your product to the technical specification provided and that's what the declaration of performance is for. Likewise, you can also note NPD on your declaration, i.e. no performance determined. Cross-refer that content of your declaration of performance back to Annex ZA1. Okay, so that's the important thing. So your declaration of performance certificate should follow the requirements of Annex ZA1. And also, if it's not specified on the technical drawing, then you just simply write NPD. That does not detract from the fact the product CE marked, okay, because the CE marking comes from the technical specification that you've been provided with, and that is the responsibility of the brand owner of the product, i.e. your customer and or their structural engineer. Well, I hope that covers everything. It's a vast and complex subject that we've tried to ram into this podcast but like I say you can always refer to our little book it's there for you to refer to we did it as a as a free kindle because we realize there's so much confusion out there thanks very much if you need any technical support please look at our website assessment-register.co.uk thank you